Subtle skills, big results. Welcome to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Ninja Selling Podcast. We're so excited to be here with you today. Before we dive into our amazing topic that Garrett brought to us today, the usual, okay? So if you're new to the podcast and there's new people listening to every single episode, we have a Facebook community that is well over 9,000 people now that we'd love for you to join. Just head over to facebook.com slash group slash the Ninja Selling Podcast. And there's a lot of cool stuff that happens in there from Garrett and I will jump in to do lives. People ask questions. People post videos of how they do real estate reviews, all the things. It's really, really phenomenal. So if you're looking for more ninja support and just more chat about the things we talk about here on the podcast, join us there. It's a really fun time. And then, of course, you can always head over to ninjaselling.com for all your ninja needs, including finding public installations like November 7th in Charleston, where Garrett and I will be, along with some other coaches. All the cool kids. All the cool kids. It's going to be so cool. It's rumored that we're even going to be doing a live audience podcast one of the evenings during that week. That's going to be pretty phenomenal. So there's your chance to be on the podcast. Rumored. Rumors. Rumors for now until we figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, Garrett, what's up, man? Hey, man, I was going to say good morning, but it's not morning. We are uh, we are coming to you from the afternoon, which is weird because like the light's not right. Like, I feel like I'm all out of sorts. Yeah, it's it's dark where I am. It's bright as all get out where you are. This is a new thing. My kids are asleep, I think, I hope. Uh, otherwise, my wife's dealing with that right now. <laughs> so, well, speaking of uh, the time difference, Garrett, that kind of is a good little segue into our topic of being confused and the confusion that exists in the real estate marketplace today that seems to be plaguing everybody from buyers to sellers to real estate agents to, I mean, who knows? Well, I think you know this topic came to me because I'm in talking to all of our coaches and talking to a lot of the the agents that I personally coach, you know, we have a lot of people out here right now that are just kind of out of, they have like a failure to launch right now. And Larry said it on, uh, he did a, a shift in the marketplace class just recently. And uh, I heard it there. I've heard it in a couple of the places where people have said, you know, sellers are living in the past by about 12 months and buyers are living in the future by about 12 months. And that really resonates with me. The more you look at the people in the marketplace right now, sellers are just hanging on to all their friends and all the people that they know that are talking about all the multiple offers that they receive, going over asking price, you know, all these craziness of what it was like to sell a house. And they're going, I want that still. Like, I still want to receive that. I want to see that happen. We want to, we want to be part of that. And then we got buyers that are looking like 12 months into the future going like, well, what's going to happen in the marketplace? What's going to be happening is I'm going to be a buyer now of this property. And what it's causing is these two very, very, very different visions trying to come together and and buy and sell real estate, which is making everybody, well, saying a ninja is confused buyers can't buy. And, and it really goes into confused people can't make decisions. It's really what it comes down to. And we have a lot of confusion. I'm watching it in realtors right now in deciding what they need to do, where they need to go. They have a lot of confusion on there and they're frozen in time. So Matt, this is why I wanted to bring this up today because it's something that I am watching in a very loud way out there right now. And I think um, 
if we have a clear understanding of what's going on, we can help people better. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. That confusion extends out into how I see agents operating as well a little bit right now. Confusion about, well, what what do I got to do to attract more buyers and sellers? How do I price? Yeah. How do I price? Uh, How do I get people to make decisions? And when there's more confusion, there's more people that yearn for clarity as well. And I don't mean that as like, oh, well, of course, if people are confused, they want clarity. What I mean is then some people won't even do anything until it becomes absolutely clear. Like people then now need absolute clarity. Like, well, I'm not going to list this house, Garrett, unless you tell me for sure we're going to get this price, right? Same thing with buyers. I don't even want to write this offer, Garrett, unless you tell me for sure we're going to be able to negotiate in this, this, and this. And so this confusion combined with this need for absolute clarity puts real estate agents, I will say, you you guys, it's in a tough position. It makes the job a little bit harder, but it does make it more fun particularly if you know the secrets to helping people achieve clarity, because then you get all the business, which is awesome. Well, and, and it is possible. And that's one thing I want to you know, make sure we address today, Matt, is that it is 100% possible to help people find clarity in this marketplace. I'm curious to see what you think on this, because I'm watching a lot of people that because they're buying and selling for the wrong reason, when I say the wrong reason, they don't have a life change necessarily that's driving them to make this purchasing decision or sales decision. Because they don't have a big change going on, I'm hearing of a lot of buyers and sellers out there that are kind of in that, it, you know, if it works out, it works out. If we don't, we'll pull it off. Like it's not that big of a deal. We can stay here if we really want to stay here. That's an interesting dilemma that can come up. And I think we should start there because I'm hearing a lot of that out here. And part of being able to find clarity is you have to have a reason to make a decision. And I'm just curious to hear your take on this or get your thoughts on that, because I am seeing a lot of that out here right now is that maybe we're holding on to some of the wrong people and not finding the right people. You know, it's interesting you bring that up on the seller side, because I was talking to an agent today and we always talk about the hidden demand, right? And who's real buyers versus non-real buyers. And we never really get to find out until they go to contract. Yet we assume that every listed property is a real seller. And we're going to start to uncover that maybe not every real listed property is a seller, which then changes the whole picture of inventory. Because when you start looking at it and saying, oh, well, inventory is rising. Like Now you get to look at it and say, okay, well, how many of those homes are people who are actually willing to sell? Because if they're just putting it on there saying, well, if I get my price, like, I definitely think there is somebody in our neighborhood who has their home listed that is of this mindset because the price is just no. And this whole make me move thing, I mean, it's fine if people want to do that because, hey, you know what? You never know. Is that coming back around? Oh, oh, you mean the Zillow make me move thing? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Okay. You said it like, and I was like, whoa, like, is that back in our worlds? It's like Kleenex now, right? (laughs) So they branded it such where, oh yeah, the make me move price. So I do think there is a rising amount of inventory that is not actual inventory, unless somebody's willing to pay the price, which that makes things harder. I've also seen a very, very high number of buyers on hot lists who are, agents are saying, yeah, they're saying, oh, these people are ready. They're just waiting for the right thing and they'll pull the trigger. The right thing has to come along. Oh yeah. As soon as the right house comes along, they're a definite buyer. Yeah. It's like, okay, well then what's going on with their current house that makes them want to leave? Because that's what I want to be paying attention to, unless it's a dream category. 
like Larry and Pat. I want I want a house on the lake and that house on the lake. Okay, well, we can't move there until that house comes for sale. But most of these, when the right thing comes along are, well, we'd love to have our kids in that school district. And when the right thing comes along, it's like, well, the right thing might come along after your kids are no longer in school. So what do we want to do here? <laughs> right? And that's growing at a good rate, Garrett. And I see that, and maybe you see this too, the buyer consultation is either being fully looked over or it's not being utilized with every single step. It got broken in the last two years. We have a lot of people that got into this process of like, we got to move fast. We got to move fast. These people want to have, they found a house. We got to write an offer on it. See if we can get it. We don't want to lose it. It's going to be gone in a couple hours. And the buyer process got thrown out the window. Not saying everybody did it. I don't want anybody out there who's pounding on their steering wheel right now going like, that's not true. Like we were still doing it. Like I know a lot of people that held fast to the buyer's process during this time, but I think a lot of people let it go. And it's one of those things right now, which is allowing us to hold on to a lot of people that are not real buyers thinking they are. You'd mentioned the sellers after I kind of brought it up. I've got a gentleman right now, not going to mention any names or anything like that. Sorry, guys. But it's a $1.65 million listing that this gentleman is fighting on pushing back on reducing the price and reducing the price and reducing the price to a point of... And if I heard all the pieces of it correct today, which I've heard in other ones, is like, if I have to reduce it that much, I don't want to sell it. Kind of takes it to that point. Well, when that stuff starts to happen, it's like, do you really have a seller to begin with? Like, do, Is that really a real listing on the marketplace that's available for people to buy? Technically, if it's super overpriced, it shows up as a listing. When you do data and stats, it shows up as, as a data point, but it, it's not a real seller then at, at some point there. And when it doesn't sell, it'll show up as a, you know, a did not sell on your odds of selling. So it is going to impact stats, you know, more so than buyers that aren't real will impact stats. They just impact time. Yeah. You have to look at that though. You have to, I mean. Buyers just impact time. Yes. Yes, they do. And I see a lot of people waiting around with the wrong people in their database right now. And this is where it's so important that if we can help them find clarity, if we go back to where we started this, Matt, if we can help them find clarity, there are a lot of buyers and sellers out here that are willing to, to all of a sudden come around. And clarity can happen so fast. We lightly touched on this. We're actually thinking about doing a whole other podcast on it, which we might need to. But let's talk about the, the study for a second with Larry. Larry didn't do the study, but Larry brought it to our attention about the two groups, both put homes on the market. Offers were received on these properties, and one group, 85%, accepted the offer. Was it 65% of the other group declined the offer? Is that the, was that the stats? Something like that. It was basically lopsided in other directions. One was a little higher, but everything was the same except for one component, one question that the listing agent asked before. And this was all fictitious. This wasn't an actual... I, well, I shouldn't say fictitious. It was an actual study, but of people pretending to be sellers based on these questions and these scenarios, right? So everything was the same across the board except for one key thing. And it produced these lopsided results. Only key thing was this first group, they told them or reminded them what they bought the house for. And that was the difference of them accepting an offer that was $50,000 less rather than not hearing or being reminded what they bought the house for and rejecting the offer. This is as simple as helping people find clarity. Yeah, both sellers were sitting on a $150,000 gain. 
and you had a group where 65% said, no, thank you. Exactly. And I think that this is the interesting thing is, again, is, is that it's not that we can make this marketplace really difficult. At the same time, if you can be a master right now of helping people find clarity, there's a lot of people that are ready to move forward. You get the price point right. The gentleman that had the one for 1.6, I said, well, you should ask him is he, if he's willing to buy it for 1.65. At least get him to say no. And then I asked the question, I said, did you find out what he bought it for? He says, not yet. I'm like, you need to go find that out. I guarantee you if he's owned that house in, I guess I could say he's in the Chicago area. If he's owned that house in the Chicago area for the amount of time that he probably has, he's probably sitting on some pretty good equity. Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of this challenge of confusion because I think back to the book Psychology of Money, which we talked about on our last podcast a little bit. And the reason why people will not sell for a bottom number is because they've already spent that money. They know what they want to do with the equity, right? And it's not for a life change. It's for a desire. And so, oh no, if I can't have that, there's no point in selling. If I can't sell the house, get the equity they want to buy the truck, the boat, and the house on the water, then what's the point? I might as well just go play the scratch off. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of sellers are at right now. And they figure, why not try? You never know until you put it on the market. It's like, well, true, but we kind of can make a prediction anyway. And it does work. I mean, I've watched people that have you know rolled the dice and been like, I don't know, they don't really need to sell, but if we can get them this price, they'll move. And it happens. And they'd run around going like, look at all the profit we made on this house. It's great. But when it really comes down to it, the long-term strategy that we watch, Matt, that works over and over and over again, which allows people to be willing to find clarity, be open to suggestions and open to even having the conversation, is what is the life change and the amount of pain or the amount of pleasure that they're dealing with that they're trying to solve for? If that life change is not there, if the pain of the pleasure is not existing and we're just like, if it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Which, by the way, don't always believe that. I have watched so many people that kind of go, oh, this is where my client stands. And they don't ask any more questions about that. And the more questions you ask, is that's a very kind of cavalier thing to say. But at the end of the day, I guarantee you, if you dig enough, there's something that's saying, we want to sell, we want to buy. There's something in there, but we've got to find it. It's your job. It's to figure it out. And for those of you who use this as a negotiating tactic, well, my sellers don't have to sell or my buyers don't need to buy. That does not put you in a power position. That actually puts you in a weak position in my, because if I'm on the other side, I'm like, oh, great. This person has absolutely no clarity on what they want to do, which means we'll just walk away. And now they're not getting what they want. They think that, that we want this so bad. We'll do whatever it takes to get it. And sometimes that might be true. You got to have to have the very unique property but without some level of clarity. And I want to talk about how we can help people create this, you know, find clarity, Garrett, and help agents find clarity. But I also want to preface that with, you also have to be willing to accept some level of uncertainty, not confusion, but uncertainty. Because achieving 100% pure clarity, the answer to the Garrett, I must know that it'll do this, we can't. We cannot do that. Even sometimes your Uber driver gets stuck at a really long red light. And so that his five minute to arrival turned into six or seven because of that red light that they couldn't predict, right? So go into finding clarity with the acceptance that there is always going to be some level of uncertainty that exists. 
always variables. There's always variables that are unforeseen that can come up that are going to cause, if you've done enough real estate transactions, you know, you can set all the deadlines you want and all the you know parts of the contract that says, this is exactly the way it's going to work. And there will be variables that are going to show up. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to say, well, do the processes and you're going to help people find clarity. And I'm sure that's what everybody expects us to say, Garrett. But like, what are some of the things that we really should be looking out for here to help? Maybe we start with helping agents find clarity so that they can actually ask the right questions to help clients find clarity. First off, I think, Matt, is a lot of the agents out here need to be educating themselves. We've, we've mentioned in the past, I think talking with lenders right now, not just one, find a couple lenders in your town and sit down, take them to lunch and find out what they're seeing, what they're hearing. They get to see things before it actually shows up in our world, like new purchase applications and things along those lines. Have a normal, you know, even if it's a five-minute phone conversation, where you just check in, you know, maybe it's every two weeks. That's like a almost like a haves and once, but with a lender. Like, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? Share some stories back and forth. Move on to another one. You're going to learn things out of that conversation that you're going to be able to sit down with your buyers and also sit down with your sellers and say, this is what we're seeing out here currently right now. And you can back it up with, this isn't just like what I think is going to happen. It's like, no, this is something that I gained knowledge from three people or four people or 10 people that we talk and we meet with. And these are all the their roles and, you know, titles that they have in our town or our area or in the United States. This is why I trust what they have to say. Having that background behind you will help you be able to provide a fair amount of clarity for people so they can go, okay, I'm hearing this on the news, but here is my trusted advisor telling me about all these people that he meets with regularly or she meets with regularly. And these are all the, the wins that are coming out of that or the directions we can take. That's one place I, I always start with education first because it's not about what we can do to them to help them find clarity, but it's about what we can give to them to help them find clarity, but we have to have it to be able to give. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that extends right into understanding the trends in your marketplace and the data, diving into the nuances, You know, particularly when you're getting into doing a listing consultation or you're helping to try to advise a buyer on fair market value trends if they're trying to determine what do they want to offer for a property. Because I, I do see a lot, once you get into the data, I'm seeing a lot of different nuances in different areas. This is another podcast we're talking about doing too, is, is it's different in different places. And that even gets right down into the neighborhoods. It is changing so much right now. So much. Tim talked about this when we were going over focus first. Like, for example, location is not just where you live, like what city, but also where do you live inside a neighborhood? What does the outdoor spaces look like? What are the things that people typically don't put on that piece as a paper exercise? I'm finding this with a lot of buyers. It's the things they don't typically think about when they're doing that exercise. Because on there goes the bedrooms, you know, the features they want inside the home, the size of the garage, the size of the house, sometimes the size of the lot. But what gets left out is how do you want that lot laid out? What are you looking for in the neighborhood? Where in the neighborhood would you want to be? And those things start to make a big difference in pricing, even though you might have homes that are similar. And so getting into these nuances when you're, I'm not, I'm not talking about for marketing. This is when you're getting into having these discussions with buyers and sellers. This is important. And if you know that stuff, and, and this isn't like spend two hours every week researching this stuff. This is when you get into it, pull out the data and take a look and see what's under the hood below average selling price, price per square foot, 
and you know little things like that because then you get to understand a little bit behind the type of buyer that's in that area, the type of seller that's in the area. Now you can be armed for a great conversation, which then leads to Garrett asking good questions, right? Well, and so this goes right back to another conversation I was having today uh, with a gentleman from Houston. And this is a very similar conversation that I've had with a lot of people of like, yeah, I've got this one listing and it doesn't make any sense. It's not moving. Like other properties are selling around it, but this one's just kind of sitting there and it doesn't kind of make sense. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. There is something. All the buyers see it. I guarantee you, they understand. They'll tell you, but there's something there that's missing. And he says, well, there is one thing. I said, what is it? And he goes, well, it backs to the bayou. He called it, I forget the name of the bayou. Anybody who's listened to this from the Texas Houston area probably knows exactly what bayou I'm talking about. So it backs to the bayou. And I said, okay. I said, what does that mean? I said, is that a plus or a negative? I said, I have no idea. Like I'm from California. Yeah. It sounds like privacy to me. It's like, that sounds great. And he talked about Hurricane Harvey. When Hurricane Harvey came through, all the waters rose, came in off the bayou and caused a whole bunch of havoc to homes that are that are on the bayou. And he said, you know, but the bayou used to be a good thing. It's not a good thing anymore. Now, again, this is somebody who's been in the marketplace for a very long time. So there's, there is education here that he has in pricing a home that maybe a newer agent would look at and go, oh, this is obviously a benefit. Look at this. You got this wonderful privacy. You got all this, you know, great rare views of Houston as you got this bayou behind you. On the other side of it is you've got this thing that maybe is a negative on it. And then you got a way out to be like, okay, well, how big is that negative? How much is that going to affect us? How much do the buyers actually care about it right now? And now you have a property where it's like, oh, maybe there is something that's holding it back from being able to sell. And I think that this knowledge and education goes all around these points too of you know, being wise about helping people being able to make these decisions and being able to help guide them with whatever property they're bringing to the marketplace. And I think that is a a good validation for having other agents come give you some opinions when you are listing a home or when you've newly listed a home. It's interesting. I had a conversation with someone today who had mentioned solar panels. And I was like, all right, solar panels. If you're buying a house with solar panels, I feel like, you know, okay, Maybe a plus, maybe a minus, depending on where you live. But hey, at least you didn't have to pay for them to be installed because that's where the heavy lift comes into play. Okay, roof maintenance and stuff like that. You can argue things back and forth on on that stuff. But apparently in this place, other real estate agents look at that as a negative and they tell their buyers that. And so that can impact a home, right? And so for instance, with this house, if you have a lot of buyer's agents who've been around, they could be talking to, to other buyers who are unaware saying, oh, just be careful with buying there because that place floods, right? Oh, well, I don't want to live in a place that floods, right? And so whether or not it does, again, and this is the interesting part about how our psychologies work based on you know history and all these things that we just kind of feed in. And it's tough, but that becomes then the marketplace that you have to, to deal with. And that is information that you need to be sharing with your sellers and you know factor that into what you want to do. Because if, I mean... As long as no one's breaking any rules and regulations and privacy laws and fair housing stuff, then this is just the way the market is sometimes. Take all the fun out of it, Matt. I know. It does take the fun out of it. I don't, I don't mean to do that, but I mean, hey. Hey, what's less fun? That or not selling your house? <laughs> We're sitting with a listing that's hitting 90 days on market and you're like, it doesn't make sense. Oh, it does. And this goes back to where we're talking about fixing confusion for a lot of people and helping them find a clear path. 
like being able to help educate them around these types of things so they can make smart decisions. They wonder, and they, you can educate them on why are we potentially seeing this marketplace right now where not everything's going with multiple offers and whatnot. And Matt, I'm happy you brought up that you know, for two years here, we saw the same marketplace across the board. And about four months ago, I kind of, I think we may have mentioned on the podcast, I know I've said it a lot, is it's nice to see that there's some different marketplaces starting to show up where different people are seeing different things. And we are really watching that now. This is not we're all playing the same game anymore. We have marketplaces that are a complete standstill. Prices are starting to drop in those areas because the affordability went way out of whack. And we got other areas that are still seeing pretty decent appreciation right now. I don't know. To me, it's really nice to see some different... Maybe it's just nice as a coach, Matt, so we can have some different conversations. Well, you know, I read... And I want to get to some buyer fears that are contradictory that I think can help if we can figure them out to help solve buyer confusion. But I forget where I was reading it, but the market we're kind of going into is actually one of the best markets for both sides of a transaction. Yes, I agree. Okay. So on the seller side, you're not getting the crazy multiple offer, you know, frenzy type of thing, but appreciation is still there broadly, right? So we're still getting a lot of money out of these homes. And buyers are getting to make a really sound decision for themselves if they actually get to the decision point. And so you end up with sound sellers and sound buyers. That creates a really great contract. Now, I know people say, but Matt, the fall through rates in these areas and these areas have gone up X and X. Okay, yes. When you move from like a small percentage to a little bit higher of a small percentage, then it seems like a big difference. I understand that. But in terms of what happens over time, this can be a really healthy-ish market for both buyers and sellers. Now, I want to bring up the fears that buyers have. And they have four of them as we talk about in Ninja Selling, but there's two of them that are contradictory. The first one is the fear of missing out on something, right? So, well, what if something else comes on the market? Or what if we didn't see all the homes that we really wanted? That's one fear. Then the other fear that contradicts this is the fear of losing the house that they want. And what we saw is that second fear take over beyond anything else over the past two years because oh, I can't let that house get away, right? But now that other fear is starting to creep back in, the fear of missing out, it's like, well, if we go under contract on this, what if something better comes on next week? Well, what if we haven't seen everything yet? Because there are more homes coming on. Like all of a sudden this, wait, wait, a new home came on that doesn't have offers all over it. Like, all right, well, let's, maybe just wait a second, see what kind of comes up. And I think this is the biggest reason why there is an increase in the number of confused buyers because those fears are now starting to balance a little bit. So if there's no cream puff, that's making me feel like I don't want to lose out on this, but there's something that I'm like, that's a nice house, but now we have buyers that wait and we have to solve that problem. Yes. So with that, Matt, what are your ideas about how we solve that one, huh? Bring it on. So I think making sure we do a complete buyer process is the first step. The second step is acknowledging that this fear exists because a lot of times we don't even talk to our buyers about this. We don't even put it in front of them. What you just said there, acknowledging that the fear exists, acknowledging what the fear was a couple markets back and acknowledging what the fear is right now and putting it on the table so you can talk about it. Yeah. Because it was easy to say, yeah, you guys fear missing out on this home. So let's go and like offer $2 million above asking price so that we can get this $200,000 ranch and secure it up, right? All right, let's do it, right? Now it's, 
we're not paying attention to this fear that people just want to see what's on the other side. A couple of ways you can maybe approach it, I think. The first is really making sure we're tuned into the why and the timeline, because that can start to lessen that fear of missing out. Because if we have a timeline on where we want to be somewhere to live a certain life, and we have that opportunity in front of us right now, is waiting for something better worth potentially missing out on the timeline? Now, for some buyers, maybe the answer is yes. The other thing is, is to go back. And I mean, like this two years isn't going to be enough data for this, but okay, that house that they're really looking for, historically, how often do those houses hit the market? And how often do they turn over? So that we can at least maybe estimate what's the likelihood of that house coming on the market next week. And ultimately, we never know. And I understand that. But you can use data to at least help maybe bring that fear down a little bit because sometimes you might have buyers saying, well, any day now, those houses could come on the market. But historically, maybe those houses only come on the market three or four times a year. And it's already been on the market three times. You could potentially use Focus First to drop in all your data and then take out all the things that don't apply to what you need. If you're looking for a specific style house, run a report on it. You could do buying patterns on these types of properties to kind of say, okay, what was a typical run that we see for homes like this? That would be a really interesting study. If anybody out there wants to do it, I'd be very curious in looking at this with you. You definitely could. And for those of you saying, but focus first only goes back two years. Yes, but goes back two years from the data that you put into it. You go back two years, you run run focus first, and then you go pull data from four years to two years ago and you run that data and look at the buying patterns and then go back one more time and run from six years to four years ago, drop that in there. It actually won't take you that long. I know it sounds like a lot of work. And then you can compare the buying patterns over those two-year periods. Then you can see. Also, you can see the seasonality. Like, oh, these homes typically come on the market, particularly for those of you in resort markets, right? Well, these homes typically come on in the spring. And we got a buyer sitting here in the fall waiting to make a decision. Well, maybe they need to wait a little longer. Here's my thing, Matt. Okay, so I know all of you listening out there who have Focus First, put your hands up. What I'd be curious about, because I don't have an MLS I can run it on, what I would like to do is I'd love to see what your thoughts are, what your, not really thoughts, I want to see what information you can pull and take a buyer that you're currently working with right now that you're having a hard time getting them to see what this marketplace is or how to interpret how sales are kind of working right now. These are the people that are kind of like, Let's wait until maybe something else comes on here because they're now looking for the right property. Let's see what we can put together. Matt, should we should we have them bring it to the uh, the community or? Yeah, bring it to the community. Don't send me. I have I, last time I asked for stuff to get sent to me. I I loved it. I appreciate all you guys. I had to like finally part ways with it because it was just a stack of stuff in my office. Speaking of that, I didn't tell you this. I went to my real estate office. I thought that I went there and checked my mail every so often. <laughs> so I went there two weeks ago. It turns out I hadn't been there before Christmas <laughs> last year. <laughs> and so I have to apologize to Frank. I forget his last name, but there was a really nice buyer packet sitting in my mailbox that I didn't even know was there. And so I, um, he and I are playing a bit of phone tag, but I just, if Frank, if you listen, I apologize again for that. I apologize for Matt. So yes, the podcast community is the best place to put this. So please, uh, yeah, run a study and see if it helps, particularly if it helps. I think it will help. Yeah, if it helps. And if it doesn't help, then tell us too. I mean, I like to know if I'm wrong. 
just ignore it. <laughs> just if it's a waste of time, just totally ignore it. No, if, if it's something that provides you some valuable information you can present to your buyer or seller to help them see kind of what their maybe home means in a marketplace and maybe present it in a little bit of a different way to them to help them maybe do a price reduction or what that might look like, I'd be very excited to see what you pull up. And again, this is not just doing a, a general market analysis on it. This is getting a little bit more detailed into kind of pulling up what, again, the buyers is what I'm most interested about. Right. Yeah. Because if they're looking for that specific thing and I got to wait, because if you can help get over these fears, you may not, but at least then you know where you stand. Right. And then it's like, okay, if this is where we're at, if the fear of missing out of something coming up is bigger than the fear of losing something that's in front of you, then what's your plan B? That's what I move to next is then you got to ask, well, what's your plan B if it doesn't happen? If we get six months down the road and this doesn't happen, are you okay with staying where you are? And if the answer is yes, then it's like, all right, well, you now as a realtor have a business decision to make. Do you want to continue to work with this person or do you want to let them go? Well, and I go back, Matt, to like, if you really want to help people kind of find clarity, be able to move forward in this marketplace, you need to figure out what their life changes are that are driving them to be buyers or sellers right now. And it's still consistently one of the areas that when I sit down with people and go through their hot and their warm list and say, tell me what the fear is that's driving these people or the change really that's driving these people to be able to you know, want to buy or sell. They all know they want to buy or sell. They got that. That's clear. But they don't know the why and how strong is that desire to want to make this move. And I'll, I'll use it in this perspective. If there's a busy road and there's cars racing across, like right in front of you, and you have an option of running across the road to get to the other side, you're going to put pause on it. You're going to sit there. You're going to weigh out what is the risk to me? You know, Is it safe? Trying to kind of time your way and time to go. All of a sudden, your child runs out into the street. All of a sudden, this uncertainty of when do I go, when do I not go, all of a sudden becomes a complete moot point. And you are now running into the middle of the street to go grab a child that's important to you. This is the difference when all of a sudden that life change or this thing becomes so clear to you that you're not sitting back and trying to waver on what is this? What is that? Maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. I'm not. And all of a sudden, every bone in your body says, go, 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 go. We're going. And that child provided clarity for you because all of a sudden, this same thing of running out in the middle of the street became not even an option. You have buyers and sellers sitting in your world right now on this hot and warm list, specifically the warm list, and actually specifically the hot list that are talking to you and saying, we want to do something, we might want to do something, we're thinking about doing something. In their life, if you ask enough questions, there's something in there that makes them go, this is why we're doing this. And this is why I'm not willing to wait. This is why I'm not willing to put my life on hold. This is why we are going to move forward. And when you find those things, all of a sudden, the answer is always yes. It's just, we got, we, got to, we got to do this right now. It's not the perfect time. This wasn't the perfect time to run across the street. But because my child's out there, guess who's a marathon sprinter? Like, we're going. Like, <laughs> a marathon, Olympic sprinter. That's what I was trying to say. Like, get out of my way. That is happening for these people out here. But again, if they're not clear, sitting on the sidelines, sitting on the curb. Man, you get my heart rate racing with that, with that one, Garrett. Talk about moving from fun into something a little bit more intense. I mean, I guess I was less fun, but you just, you went intense. But it makes so much sense, though. If you think about it, that's almost the level of urgency you're trying to figure out so that clarity can be discovered. Even though, because we talked about you can't 
get to clarity without eliminating uncertainty. And there is certainly still a whole ton of uncertainty when you're running out in that street. You just don't, well, care about it. The reason there to get to the point from point A to point B is important enough that you're able to see the path. You can see how to get there. Well, and here's the thing too. There's a lot of other things we can talk about, but I think when we get into the question asking too, and you're going down this path with your buyers and sellers, you're also bringing a level of comfort that they have somebody on their side. Because when people get confused, they also really want someone there to let them know that it's okay. The decision that they make is going to be the right one, which really only they can sit with. But if you're there as their guide and you're asking the right questions or just asking questions in general and they feel good about it, they're going to be able to achieve more clarity or they're going to be willing to go on this journey with you knowing that there is uncertainty versus sitting there and demanding complete clarity without any uncertainty. And now you're moving down the path. Maybe you don't find the right house. Maybe you do. I know from our anecdotal evidence of working with tons of agents across the country that it does work overall. So maybe your one buyer has trouble, but if you get five of your confused buyers out of the eight that might be confused clear, well, that's five more deals that you get to close that you were not closing before. So that's a good thing. So Matt, you ready? We good? I'm good. That was good. I like that. You guys don't usually hear us talk about that. I enjoy this topic so much because this is going to be the difference between agents that are still around in five years and the agents that decide to, well, as you shared with me, go back and work in in other jobs. You are being very generous with five years is what I'll say. This is a much shorter timeline than that. If you can't figure out this marketplace here coming up, which it is very workable. It is very doable. We, we, I've been in the real estate market since 2003. And this marketplace, I just had a friend of mine that just said, no, we're back to a normal market. Think about a market where you get to use all your skills and show all your value to everybody all at the same time. That's the market that we're going to be having again, which is so cool. I've said it too, Matt, is that marketplaces that are not easy, this is where you create raving fans. When it is tough to be a buyer, this is where you create raving fans when you're working with your buyers and helping them accomplish something that not everybody's accomplishing. When you have a seller's and it's not an easy market to sell a home in, when you can help them get past Mission Impossible and get their home sold and get the where they want to go, you have a raving fan. This is the great opportunities of these marketplaces that are, you know, if you were a listing agent in the last marketplace, nobody was writing letters about you going like, not sure how we did it without you. I mean, you were getting it done and you were making it happen. But at the end of the day, they're like, yeah, I mean, fires are falling out of the sky. This is where you get to show your skills coming up right here. And again, there's gonna be some great, great, great agents that come out of this time, but you, you got to be willing to step up and to, and to engage. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Matt, Thanks for playing along this topic with me. Thank you. Thanks for bringing it up. This is great. This is a really good one. I liked it. I think everybody knows that by now too. (laughs) Everybody out there still listening, you can go check us out on Facebook at theninjasellingpodcast.com or no, Matt, you always do this. I always mess it up. Well, you can go to the website, theninjasellingpodcast.com and search episodes if you're looking for a specific topic, which we don't mention often enough, but you can do that. But facebook.com slash groups slash theninjaselllingpodcast. All right. Perfect. Thank you. And then (laughs) then ninjaselling.com, you can go there, find all installations 
upcoming classes that we're doing. You can learn more about coaching and about all the great coaches that we have. We have, gosh, 25 coaches from all over the United States that specialize in Ninja. You can find all of them there. And uh, other than that, Matt, I appreciate you tons. Thanks again. And to all of you listening, thank you. We always love doing this and we'll be back soon. Thanks everybody. See you soon. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like more, visit us at the ninjasellingpodcast.com. There you will also find links for more information about ninja selling and coaching. Have an incredible day.